Hey, college kids. Welcome back to my podcast, Who Cares About College? In today's episode, I'll be interviewing Greg and Beth. So if you guys could introduce yourselves. Hi, I am Beth Langston, and I have a degree uh, from Purdue University, and I'm married to Greg Langston, this guy right here, and he has a degree also from Purdue uh, in business. Mine's in education, and uh, we live in San Diego. We have two grown children, a couple grandkids even, but we've been helping uh, high school students for and some college students for 20 years. Um, and in a nutshell, what we do is we help students figure out what their strengths and weaknesses are and what they're passionate about and naturally gifted to do so that they can choose a career or a major. And if they go to college, that they can graduate in four years instead of the normal rate, which is six years, and have a fulfilling career. Great. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that um, that people don't know is that it takes approximately, well, 60% of the kids that graduate from college actually take six years to graduate. And uh, that can be avoided if you know what uh, what you're doing. But I, I met Beth, as she said, at Purdue University. Um, I've worked in 65 countries around the world in 10 different industries, run businesses in excess of a, of a billion dollars, and have mentored high school and college students for the last 20 years. So you mentioned strengths and weaknesses, like and passion as well. But I first want to focus on strengths and weaknesses. So, what do you mean by strengths and weaknesses in relation to like the college process or like the college application? Do you mean like strength in like writing skills or just strengths overall in like certain subjects? Well, actually, what we do is we, through a process of doing a three hundred and sixty assessment, we help the student find out what other strengths whether it in, in in whatever they do, whether it be education in life, are they an analytical thinker? Are they presentation skills, um, problem solving skills, whatever those strengths might be, we also identify what their weaknesses are so that they can be cognizant of those and work about uh, making those better. And they can address those, you know, clearly, because a lot of times they might know their weaknesses, <laughs> but they don't know what to do about them. So we help them address that. But I think you're also talking about interest. It, their yeah. strengths also are their interests at sometimes. And so it does go into what they want to study also in their in their education and the classes they're taking. Is it their strength to take that AP math class <laughs> when math isn't their forte and it's going to pull down their GPA? That's a good thing to know too in their classes they take and what career they're going to pursue. So... Mm -hmm. Yeah, you mentioned like a bunch of strengths, but for example, with like an um, analytical thinker, and I know what you mean, like analytical thinker versus someone who's not, what exactly can you do with that? Like, what do you know from yourself and how that can help you in the college process when you know such strengths about yourself, strengths and weaknesses? Well, I think that uh, you can be more aligned with what uh, major you want to study uh, as a result of knowing your strengths. Um, as well as being aware of what your weaknesses are, because then it can help you connect better with a particular vocation or a major you want to study. Because mm -hmm. if you hate what you're doing, and, uh, you know, which a lot of people do, over 70% of people that are in business today uh, hate what they do in their jobs. And that's because they didn't figure out what they were passionate about, what they were good at. And then get a degree or a vocation that supported that. And and so th another stat is that only 20% of college graduates are working in a role that is closely related to their undergrad degree. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm actually researching about that this year. And I like 
to like the undergraduate degree and like going into um jobs or whatever and i was so stunned that like most people don't even like use what their degree is in their day-to-day job i was like exactly okay i was like how do you find a job that way Uh, yeah all sorts of and why did you spend all that time studying (laughs) so many years wasted Okay. And then another thing you guys mentioned was core values. This is not here. Like when we were like emailing and I visited your website, you guys were talking about core values. So can you elaborate a little bit on what you mean by that? Sure. Um, Core values are your core beliefs um, that really motivate you and help you in your decision-making process, whether it be academic excellence or integrity or uh, community, whatever that uh, those values are. Uh, the way I best describe it is if you if your audience can envision a cutaway of a large tree and the, a large tree has a strong root system that's that deep down to the ground, those roots are equivalent to your values because you're going to be challenged in life when you go to school, when you have a job, and you need to have a strong root system to make sure the tree doesn't topple over. The trunk of the tree is equivalent to what we call your purpose or your why, and the branches of the tree are your objectives and your goals. And so... We believe that there has to be alignment between your values, your purpose, and your goals and objectives. And so and what you produce. Correct. Yeah. And so that's why we help students to determine what are their core values. And then we take them through a process to really identify what their core values are and then help them do uh, decision making based upon their core values to help them stay aligned. Mm-hmm. And going off of like what you just said, and also you kind of talked about like the purpose and the why, which is like, how I guess you determine your core values Yeah. as a, let's say you're coming into high school. It's like a 14, 15 year old who hasn't honestly given, been given much opportunity to do anything because there's not really much you can do at 14, 15. So what kind of process, like someone coming into you guys who is just starting high school and like, because in middle school, you just do the courses that they give you high schools when you can take those like electives and see like, oh, do I like this or this? So someone who's just coming in and is not really sure about their why or their passion, how do you help them at least find out or maybe hone in on a more specific area when they just come in and ask you guys for help? Well, I, what I would say is in school, yes, the classes are great and go for the ones that you think you're interested in, but it's even more important to explore your interests or what you think you're interested in pursuing as a career in those early high school years, all the way through high school, try to get on the job training and exposure. Because sometimes we find that students think that they're interested in one area and then they go to work with someone in that area and they're like, no way, I don't wanna do that. Our son is a great example. His whole life, he thought he wanted to be in the medical field, And so in high school, he's like, I think I want to be a surgeon. And he had the opportunity to go to work with a neurosurgeon and a cardiovascular surgeon. And after doing both of those jobs, surgeries, surgeries, he was in, in the operating room after doing both of those, he ended his summer saying, that is not at all what I want to do. I don't want to go into the medical field anymore. And he, he went into the financial world. Go figure. Oh. You know, he never had that on his list of things, but he he does very well in that. But all because of that exposure. So he didn't waste the years of education and the money getting educated in a field that he would not have enjoyed. And how do you find those like experiences? Like I know your sons went to a private school, but if you like go to a public school, and obviously not all public schools are the same. Like some are really good not considered private schools, but they're really good with Mm -hmm. education, like APs, 
a lot of like help um, with students. Like my high school has like a specific internship class where the whole thing is helping you find an internship, but other um, like public schools don't have that. So what Mm -hmm. do you suggest for those students who don't have those resources available to them? Like direct resources. Go knock on the doors, be proactive, promote yourself. There are so many companies and workers and professionals who are, who are more than willing to open their door and say, yeah, come on in for a week or a day or whatever it takes to get some exposure to that line of work. You have to promote yourself. Nobody's going to do it for you. You cannot depend on your high school. Like you said, yours happens to have a great class. That is so rare. I love that it has that. Yay, yay. But most do not. You cannot rely on the college advising counselors, uh, college advisors to to give you everything that you're going to need to prepare you for for your college application even. As a young person uh, or the parent of a young person, I don't know if any parents listen to this, you need to keep track of everything that you've accomplished and done and worked at, uh, every job you've had, every class you've taken outside of school from the summer before freshman year until your senior year which all counts on your resume, but you're filling out these, these applications at the beginning of senior year. So really what you do senior year is never going to go on your college application. Your grades will, but the rest of it won't. So that's why it's important to be active in all these areas before that and go out and pursue. Do not wait until senior year to get all these, uh, experiences that you need in order to write about them in your essays. But we've had some clients that said, so how do I do this? And we asked them, well, what are you interested in? Well, you know, I, I have braces. And so I want to go see what it's like to be an orthodontist. And so we said, go volunteer, uh, ask your orthodontist if you can just go and, you know, work in their office for a couple of days and see what it's like. And you'll do it for free. And, you know, they find out, hey, I really like this. Or you know what? This sucks. I don't like doing this. And so it's really important that you can ask your parents, friends in whatever industry they are. People are more than happy to help, but particularly if it doesn't cost anything, uh, that they'll open the door for you to ride along. Uh, if, you're, if it's a salesperson or, you know, a doctor or a mechanic or a welder, you name it, they'll they'll open the door. Mm-hmm. And you were saying about like tracking a bit earlier, like the summer before freshman year, because, you know, senior year. Again, it's really just your grades and maybe they'll see what you were doing senior year, but that doesn't really impact you and your like college application too much. But let's say like you have gone through high school and you've like been here and you don't really know if you like that and you've like tried this and you don't know if you like that. But junior year, I would say senior is probably like too late, but like junior year, you find something and you're like, wow, I'm like not like I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, but like I genuinely have a passion for this. How do you incorporate that into your college app without making it look like you add fluff? Because that, like, I know college, they're going to look at it and be like, oh, it was like a last resort for them to do that. But some people genuinely don't find something until those like junior year, like end of junior year. Yeah. And in your application, it's all about explaining that. How did you find this passion? Mm -hmm. What do you plan to do with it? Where did it come from? What were you interested in before? And how did you negate that passion you know it all they just want to know about you where you are that you know and what you're planning for the future because it's very rare that uh students can talk about what their plans for the future are but colleges love that 
there are three things that admissions officers look for. Of course, academic success. You have to have the grades to get your foot in the door to give you permission to play. You have to have good grades, good standardized test scores, and a quality curriculum. So, And the second thing they look for is extracurricular accomplishment. And that doesn't mean... Um, a smattering of every community project you could get into. They look for students with in-depth commitment to a project or a cause or a team or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Because what colleges are looking for, they want to have a well-rounded student body, not necessarily a well-rounded student. So mm -hmm. they'll take your gifts and your strengths and fit you into an area that they need to fill in their in their uh, student body does that make sense yeah, yeah that does make sense yeah, yeah I've heard and so the third thing the third thing that is most important for admissions officers is a student that has self-awareness and future plans a student that knows their values and can speak about that and their purpose and their strength and their weaknesses and their natural inclinations um because They want to see that you have plans for the future and you have goals to pursue a major that will allow you to thrive. And they want you to be able to come on campus, jump in, contribute positively, you know, hit the ground running and do well at school because they don't want to have to worry about kids that are going to flunk out, you know, or party too much. They want somebody who knows where they're going so you, they can graduate with honors, go out and represent the college well, get a good degree, come back and mentor students at their college and give back. And another question I have regarding like finding your passion. So I guess in high school, you can understand yourself pretty well. Like, am I a STEM person? Do I enjoy like the math and the bio and the chem that I have to take? Or am I more of a humanities person who enjoys like the English and the history? So you do have like those two general, I guess you can say areas, STEM and the humanities that we most everybody does in high school. But how limiting do you think the courses are in high school for people finding their passion? Like, for example, business doesn't really fall in STEM or um, humanities, and it's not really something, a course that's offered in high school. So do you think there are some people who genuinely just won't find anything in high school because the courses are just not there? Um, that's a really great question. I think that... A lot of self-discovery needs to take place in high school, and it's not taking place. And as a result, we're seeing that 87% of people that are 16 to 29 years old have no purpose or meaning. And so that's saying 87%? 87%. So that's, that's speaking directly to your point that they're not sure what they should be doing as a result of this, you know, 12 years of education. And uh, and so that's why we're so passionate about helping a young person determine what they are passionate about. And they can figure that out if they go through the process what, that we supply or other people might be able to supply to determine what am I really passionate about? Get feedback from other people to say, you know what, you should study this, this and this. Um, these are your weaknesses so that you can address them, because then that helps hone their interests and hone their skills so that they can be more successful in life and, and graduate in four years instead of the six that I mentioned earlier. And hone their interests too, because if they know what they're good at, they're going to be like, well, I don't want to waste my time doing something I'm not that great at. Or if they're playing three sports in school, right? Well, 
you don't have time for three sports and to explore all these other things. So we help them organize their priorities too, and maybe drop out of one of those sports and uh, enjoy the other two and contribute positively. But you have to make time for yourself to explore these other things. You only get one life. There's only one you and only you can promote yourself. You might get some promotion from others, but you have to be proactive. You cannot wait for the high school to do it for you. And don't think that the college advisors are going to do it for you because they're on average in the United States, they're 424 students per college advisor. And so there's no way that they can give you the attention. In fact, we had they one They recommend client, 200 right. per college advisor. And in, New York, and in California, where we live, there are 900 students <laughs> for each advisor. Okay. So. You know, we had one student who went to their advisor and said, hey, listen, um, I'm trying to put the stuff together for my essay. Can you please tell me all the things that I've accomplished? And they said, I don't have time to do that. Yeah. She wanted to know her awards from like, when was I on the honor roll? Uh, how many years? What semesters? Blah, blah, blah. And because she's just trying to fill out her application. This wasn't even an essay, which is another thing you have to get help with. And he's like, I don't I don't have time to look that up. That's why as an individual, each student needs to keep track of their own record so that they can have they can access this information when it comes time to fill out their applications. And on that topic, let's take a typical 14, 15, I guess we say 14 year old coming into high school and you know they don't really they're not sure what they want to do. Maybe they have like some interest in STEM or something, and they're like vaguely sure they want to do STEM, what would be the guideline that you give them coming into high school in order to find what they're passionate about, or at least hone in more on some like specific, like, I don't know, you like biology, you may not know what you want to do with biology, but you understand you like it. So what would be your guideline for someone coming in? What would they do freshman year, sophomore year, junior and senior year? Well, starting early is key. Get it, researching an area you think you're interested in. Talk to the teacher who teaches it, you know. Again, go out in your community and get exposure to it. The earlier, the better. And that would be every year. If you're, if you're thinking you're interested, you know, use your summers to, to go to camps that promote this stuff. Every, there's a camp for everything, you know. And if you can go to a camp, if you can't go to a camp, then seek out the exposure in your community to the different areas that you like. Show that you've made a dedicated interest in at least trying. You know, there will be a person who doesn't know, even after trying every year, they may still not know what they want to do. But showing the effort that you tried is key, and we can speak to that and express where your interests are in your application and your essays. But getting involved is key. Doing entrepreneurial things like helping your community. During COVID, one of our students, or two of them, uh, in their neighborhood, they had a food drive for the kids that went to school to get their meals. A lot of kids, you know, when they were home at COVID, they they couldn't even eat because they would have their meals at school, at least their breakfast and lunch. And so they Uh, The neighbors were perfectly happy to dedicate their food to these kids, and they took it to an agency that distributed it to the kids that couldn't eat if they weren't at school. And then then Thanksgiving came, and they did it again. They did another food drive. So things like that, like exploring your community. What are the needs there? Because we we can't possibly know all the uh, occupational areas that are available unless you get out there and get involved and and are exposed to, oh, I didn't even know I 
could do that. I didn't even know that was a profession, you know, uh, mm-hmm. working in volunteer organizations, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys also mentioned uh, one-year goals and like five-year goals. So can you elaborate on, I I mean, I I understand what the one-year goal would be and like what it would consist of, but like looking long-term, how do you make a five-year goal for yourself in high school? Well, actually, in our process, we take the student through uh, aspirational goals for their lifetime in the area of health, wealth, wisdom, and relationship. And we actually help them to determine what are their life goals when they're 65. And uh, you, you uh, <clears throat> I can see your eyebrows. You're going, holy cow, when they're 65, how do I do that? Sounds awful. Um, based upon that, and we take them through a process that helps them determine those five in each category. Mm-hmm. And then based upon those, they then determine if that's what I want to do when I'm 65, what are some things that I'm going to eliminate? What are some bad habits that I have? And universally, they say, number one, too much social media and not enough sleep is what everybody says. Um, but based upon those aspirational goals, then a student can say, okay, if I want to get there at the, you know, when I'm 65, what do I have to do for me to get there when I'm five in, you know, in five years? And then if I'm going to do these in five years, what am I going to do when I'm in one year? And so that's the way we take them through that process. We take it backwards. So they know their big goals, which will change over time too, but at least they've been given the opportunity to think about those goals in life. Mm-hmm. Some most students can't even think about the end, past the end of the week and how much homework they have to get done, mm-hmm. right? So it gives them an opportunity to think about that and think there is more than just this week to life. And so in five years, what's that look like? And now in order to get that five-year one, here I am at one year. What am I going to be doing a year from now that's going to improve my situation and get me on the path to where I want to be? I can actually attest to that very quickly. When I started thinking like, oh my God, I have a math test. But then I realized in five years, I'm not going to remember that math test. Like, So I started to relax and look at the bigger picture and realize like life is much more than just the math test you're worrying for, the essay you have to turn in. So I can say to people who are listening right now, it really does work when you can like look at the bigger picture and focus on like like bigger life goals than like, you know, getting to Friday yes. so you can have like the weekend to yourself. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. No, and, don't worry and, about things that won't matter next week, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so another um, question I have, and this actually applies to me, I know it applies to a lot of people, is having like a variety of interests, like genuine interests, not like, oh, I want to dabble in this a little bit. So kind of like sorting that out. And should you focus on like one interest in high school? So your, I guess, college app looks uniform, or should you try to just spread yourself out and do as much as possible? And I'll give myself as an example. I I was interested in like journalism and I do have like an internship related to journalism. So, and I mean, I have this podcast. That's kind of how I figured out I kind of like journalism. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, oh, maybe journalism. And I always saw myself in business before that. And I still do. I really can't see myself doing anything but like more management stuff. So I like that, like really like that. And then I found a new like found love of chemistry last year, like for you unfortunate i found it only last year because i don't know what i'm going to do with it but like i really really like all three of these and i'm just really focusing on like the journalism part of it so can you guys say like should you focus on one or should you kind of like spread yourself out if you genuinely have an interest in a bunch of stuff Hmm, that's a good question i would say think about if you had eight hours in a day Mm -hmm. to spend which one would you prefer to spend it 
doing that will help you think because it's a long day you know to be in a chemistry lab or whatever you pursue with chemistry or to be on a radio show or television show or podcasts whatever you're doing or preparing for that you know what it takes but getting some experience in each one of those would be key and and it does help you say the yay or nay you know so again it's down to the experience and you you'll be able to eliminate it and there are only 24 hours in the day you know so it's where you want to spend those hours where you would enjoy that for a lifetime of whatever you pursue right but colleges do like to see a dedicated interest in certain areas it doesn't have to be just one but they want to see a dedicated not a surface interest in your endeavors and what you try and leadership, they like to see leadership positions. And that doesn't mean being a president or a captain or one of those. It, servant leadership is key. And leadership, just by being, for like for you, the person that you are, you, you're in a leadership position because you're showing people what it's like, how to get to college, what it's like, how to prepare, you know, on your podcast and how to help them do that. And that's a, a beautiful leadership position, but you're not president, right? <laughs> so but you can also pursue multiple careers too, multiple uh, areas of interest. It doesn't have to be this or that it can be this and this you can have multiple degrees. Mm-hmm. So like, John, the topic of having multiple interests, let's say, I don't know, for example, me, I honed in on journalism. I'm just trying it out in high school because I have my whole life ahead of me. I might as well just do it now and see if I actually like it in the future. So, but with like other interests that I do have and just in general for like everybody, if you decide to focus on one, but you still like another, should you include it in like your essay or something? Or should you still focus your essay more on your extracurriculars to show even more depth on like how you like them? Like, should you put that like other interests in any other parts of the application? Uh, Yes. Then, you know, here's what happens when you're applying. So you have your, if you're doing the common app, you have your 650 word personal statement and you, you have eight different prompts that you can choose from to write about that 650 words. And really it's, if you could sit down with the admissions officers for 10 minutes, what would you want them to know? And so that's what that is about. And Some colleges don't accept the common app. Uh, Most of them do, but others have their own applications. Well, and a lot of them require you to write a different essay. But once you've written that 650 word personal statement, a lot of times you can cut it down to fit another college that doesn't take the the, uh, common app. Like the UC, University of California system, they don't take the common app. They have their own application system. And you have to answer four essays of different topics. And uh, they're 350 words each. So that, you know, you can explore many areas of your interests in these essays. It's the way for them to get to know you better. But you don't want to be redundant with things that that are elsewhere in your application. You can elaborate on it, but you don't want to be redundant. So we make sure in our UC essays, all four of those tell a different part of your story if possible. And and then in the common app application, each university has their own set of questions or essays that are called supplemental essays. So sometimes I have students that we work on about 17 essays together 
depending on which schools they're applying to. So it takes a long time to get through these essays to make them clear. And they all have to be in the student's voice. So if we're speaking about things you love, it really does come through on the application and they can see it. But also the admissions officers, they know if a parent or an essay writer has written your essay for you. They know they can tell right away. So I make sure that they keep it in their own voice and how they would speak to their best friends. It doesn't have to be an elaborate English class essay. They don't like those at all. They just want you to speak like we're speaking now to each other. Don't get the thesaurus out and look up those big words. They don't want that. They want you to be real and authentic and you. And, um, Another thing that just came up to me right now is mm-hmm. different, mm, I guess we could say some extracurriculars look more impressive than others. Like obviously just being a member of a club versus being like the president of that club, the president looks much more impressive on there. In um, in the college app process, are there certain extracurriculars, like different ways of pursuing interest? Do they look better than others? Like having an internship versus just doing it at your school as a club? Is there anything that like weighs more to an admissions officer than like others? Yeah, I would say, yes, pursuing uh, internships out, outside of the school opportunities. And they also love to see that you've taken classes, even like our college flight plan, comprehensive self-discovery class. There's a place that, that shows that you are trying to learn more about yourself and where you're going. And there's a part of the application called additional information where you can elaborate on what you've learned about yourself. It's a great opportunity. So any course that you take that's outside of the school, you can address that in the additional information part and what you learned about it, what it meant to you. It doesn't have to be an essay in those parts. We just touch the highlights of, of what it meant and what you learned and what you plan to do with it. So those are always great. They weigh very well. And you don't have to have a ton of activities, but it's nice to show that you were committed to them. And you need to realize also that an admissions officer only has between eight and 12 minutes Mm. to review if they're going to accept you or not, or put you in the yes pile versus the no pile. So you can be in school for 14 years and that translates down to eight to 12 minutes. So you got to make sure that what you express both verbally when you're speaking with them or in writing is clear, concise, and compelling. And you know what? You have to get all the help that you can because um, especially in writing essays and proofreading it, I had a gal, she was wonderful. She was the first uh, generation applying to college. She was East Indian totally capable, had done entrepreneurial things, had developed uh, uh, websites to help her community, but she didn't want any help with her essay, apparently. So by the time they got to me, they were, uh, she was being rejected by some of the top schools that she wanted to get into, or she was put on the wait list. So when you're put on a wait list, that's not a bad thing. That just means they've already accepted other kids before you, and they want to see what they're it means you have all the app, the qualities that they're looking for, but you have to also write another essay that says, what have you been doing since you first applied to our university? So, you know, you have to say what you've been doing, how you've been improving yourself, what your goals, you know, something that you didn't write in the beginning. And I said, well, let me see what your original personal statement was that you sent to these schools. 
And she gave it to me. And in the first paragraph, there were grammatical errors. And I'm like, that is why she Mm. got knocked out. Most readers, essay readers, will probably knock you out for that if it's if it's that blatant in the first paragraph because a lot of times they don't have time to even read the whole essay I'm convinced if they only have 8 to 12 minutes with your application they're going to read through most of it especially the first paragraph though that's where we have to wow them in the first paragraph catch their attention so they want to read the rest but that is why she got knocked out so get help with those essays, get people proofreading, not people necessarily changing your idea about what you want to write about, but proofreading. And I help them brainstorm. I have an ebook on writing compelling essays. So brainstorming is sometimes much harder than writing the essay. So we try to get through that. All right. And kind of going back to like what we first talked about, which is like core values, strengths, and weaknesses. So I guess, should you use those, like, obviously in your like application and like figuring out your different, like um, what extracurricular suit you, what like best method of like writing and like all that really literally it could be applied to everything. But when you actually get to your college list and making your um, like which schools you want to apply for, should your like strengths and values be reflected in the schools? Is that something you should prioritize when you're looking at a school? Like, I don't know, some people like a very collaborative atmosphere and they strive off of that while some people are more like competitive. So should you really prioritize that when choosing a college? I think if you can identify with the school, both from an academics perspective, from a values perspective, from a financial perspective, you may want to go to a school, but you may not, you know, you or your family may not be able to afford going to that school. You should probably deselect yourself from that unless you can get the scholarships. And there's a lot of scholarship money out there. But you really do want to understand if you fit in with the culture of that school. And the best way to do that is to go visit it. And, you know, these schools welcome people to come. And if you call um, an admissions officer and say, I want to I want to come to your school, I want to interview, that goes down on the record that you have d- demonstrated an interest in going to visit their school so that when you do apply, it's going to be in your record. So it's important that you figure out for all the reasons I just mentioned, what's a good fit for you from a school perspective. And in your application also, a lot of, we always call it the why Penn uh, essay question, because our son went to Penn, uh, and, but he had to say, why, why do you want to go to Penn? And so you have to do the research. You can't just be a generic, oh, I like it because it's, you know, 10 miles from home or, you know, it's in, Philadelphia, you know, you have to research what does the school offer? Who are these professors that are going to be teaching me? What are they? What do I like about them? What have they written that I like? And what research have they done? We have to get very, very specific on that. And if you can say, on my visit to Penn, this is what I noticed about the university. And when I spoke to so and so, when you go on a college visit, take notes, write names, write thank you notes to the people that showed you around or the professors you met or the admissions officers that you met, this all goes into your record. And when you are applying, call that university and say, I would love to have an interview with someone in my area uh, that's alumni from your school. And uh, could we please arrange that? And or call with a well thought out question that you may even know the answer to, but just calling with that question They'll put that in their notes. Oh, so-and-so really is, has a dedicated interest in our school. And another thing is, if you get on the wait list, our daughter-in-law is a great example. 
she got on the wait list for UNC and she was in journalism. She was a journalism major. And she drove the 12 hours from where we lived to UNC. Oh, because she was on the wait list. She was on the wait list, yes. She sat in the admissions office and said, uh, I'd like to see somebody. She waited for hours till somebody could see her. She went in and she said, these are my strengths and my weaknesses. This is what I do well. This is why you should have me at your university, how I will benefit you and how I'll benefit from being here. And sure enough, the next week, her acceptance email came in. So, you know, no doesn't mean no all the time. So... Mm -hmm. All right. That is a lot of dedication. I admire your daughter-in-law. <laughs> She's maybe, maybe my new idol now. Never met her, but all right. So You'd love her. <laughs> so one of the, I guess, the last major things I want to talk about is actually going into college. So again, if you're like me and you have a lot of interests and you don't really pursue all of them, when you go into college, is that like an opportunity, at least like your freshman year, just like when you're going into high school to try out a bunch of new things? Like, um, because the colleges offer like a wider amount of courses, like more than high school probably ever could. So would you suggest like freshman year, if you still have a lot of genuine interest and you can't really decide maybe between like two of them, would you say like spend your freshman year just shopping around, like going to different classes and actually finalizing that? Yeah, well, definitely, you know, freshman year, you have to take a lot of general classes Yeah, most of the time anyway. So during that time, when you're taking the classes that are required, go into each department that you think you're interested in, talk to the professors, talk to the advisors, and that's a way to explore it even further. You have to be proactive again. You're not going to get it all from the class necessarily because a lot of those are general, like I said, but uh, exploring the different areas and you know, seeking opportunities to go along with that professor or whoever, you know, just find that information that you need and that experience that will help solidify what you're thinking about doing. And just like in freshman year in high school, in college as well, you need to focus on your grades because it's really hard if you just go to school and say, okay, I'm free. I'm only taking 15 hours. I have all these, all this free time on my hands. Let me just socialize and so forth you let your grades go down, you take another three to however long it takes you to graduate, you're going to be working hard to catch up to get your grade point average up at the end of the year, at the end of, um, of your college you know, time. So it's important to focus on the grades the first year, particularly the first semester. Okay. And another question that's kind of doesn't really relate to um, college app and whatever. I just want to get your opinions on it. Do you think that the I would say the reputation of the school and I guess more for like, if you're interested in uh, research, for example, some schools are much better than others. I know like Pitt has like one of the best like research for um, medicine, like biology, I think, because I recently interviewed someone from there. So do you think that the reputation of the school will affect you in the future? Or do you think that eventually someone who's still very genuinely interested in this, but they're not as at a as good of a good school like do you think they'll eventually make it to the same level this is like a very uh, random question it just came up but do you think it matters in the long term yeah well in our experience there are people that didn't even go to college that have done very well in life so it's not just about going to college or going to the college you know mm -hmm. some colleges do make a difference i know our son at the Wharton School of Business, and then he moved to New York City, you know, there are a lot of connections there yeah. in the Northeast, and that was important to him. Our daughter was a volleyball player at Michigan State. She studied 
apparel and textile design. And she went into the professional sports with the AVP beach volleyball tour for a while and just pieced together her life. And now she's a medical device sales rep so and does very well, but it has nothing to do with really what she did in college. So there, there are many areas, you know, where you, if you're driven and uh, purposeful in your life and you know what you want to do, you know how you're going to make a difference, you can do it no matter where you go to school. Right. The I will is more important than the IQ at times. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So we're coming to pretty much an end here. I've covered most of the main topics I wanted to talk about. And last thing I do with every single person I interview is one piece of advice. If you could give just one like key advice that you think is the most important, what would it be? Like a closing, I, I guess. Yes. I always say start early. Start earlier than you think because it takes longer to do this application process, if that's what you're doing, or whatever job you choose to take. Uh, starting early, don't wait till you're in college to decide what you might like to do or to explore the areas of what you might like to do. Start, you know, eighth grade, freshman year. Let's start there and open up those areas that no one's ever asked you about. What are you going to do when you're 65? Oh, who would ever think, you know, try to try to get those opportunities to learn. What would you say? One piece of advice I'd give, it's actually six parts. It's what I call the high potential essentials that we taught our kids. And, and I'll, I'll share with, uh, with you and your audiences. Number one, understand what your values are and live by your values. Number two, do what you say you will do. Number three, arrive on time. Finish what you start. Say please, thank you, and you're welcome. And number six is be willing to apologize when you're wrong. If you do those six things, and if your family did all those six things all the time, just think how much better off we would be. All right. That's, I've never heard that advice, but thank you very much for that. Yep. And thank awesome. you. Yep. Thank you so much for coming and have a good year Pacific, right? So have a good rest yes. of your afternoon, evening. <laughs> okay. Thank you. You too. And thanks for having us. We appreciate you. Con congratulations on everything that you've accomplished yes. with this podcast and the people that you've had on and mm -hmm. you're well on your way. So congratulations. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye, -bye. Bye. That wraps up my interview with Greg and Beth. You can check out their site, collegeflightplan.com, down in the description. Also down in the description is the link to my website, collegerealitycheck.com. Make sure to subscribe, and I'll see you in the next one. Mm -hmm.